And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal, the full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday, here on The Lance Roberts Show. I'm Rich Ross, CFP. Danny Ratliff, CFP Squared. Oh, this week went fast. It's not over yet. And we have an event tomorrow also coming up. Retirement Right Lane class, which will be online. Uh, I don't think we're advertising that, are we? But we will possibly have a link to that later on down the road. So I guess it's all about, Danny, it's all about Jackson Hole. And what Mr. Powell is going to say. I have a suspicion that traders are going to be disappointed. I, I, I haven't really understood this week how um, market pundits are feeling that he is going to become more dovish. I don't understand where, where, where inflation is, where the trim mean PCE is, where all of these, this sticky price CPI, how he absolutely could be more I, I personally think they stick to the hawkish tone. What, what are your thoughts? I don't see how they don't. I mean, we haven't seen inflation come down as quickly as most people have hoped. We're, we're not seeing the data that suggests that it's you know, easing as, as quick. So where did we get this, this pivot that everybody continues to speak of? You know, it, it's interesting. You continue to hear lots of different information surrounding you know, what the rhetoric will be coming out of Jackson Hole. It's either going to be – I've heard anything that – they're going to come out and say, hey, we're going to need to hike 100 basis points to, you know, we're going to slow down to 25 or 50 basis point hikes from here. Um, I don't think it's based on past conversations or information that he's provided. I don't see why he would he would change his stance at the moment. There's nothing material that's changed enough to make him come back. Well, and there are some structural issues. Christine Lagarde, uh, the European Central Bank president, said, you know what? I don't think we're going back to the environment of low inflation. Mm -hmm. There are structural trends that have been in place, but the pandemic blew apart that are going to continue. Well, he even said the same, exact same thing, basically. He said he doesn't know what, what is the new normal. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Is that something that we previously had, or is it something completely different? It's probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, globalization kept prices low or steady. We are going through a process of deglobalization, and that is going to be more volatile for prices in supply chain. We, well, we know that's going to be the case, right? It, we know that this Russia, this Russia-Ukraine thing, when it comes to food prices, this is going to drag on longer and longer. Well, not to mention tensions with China over Taiwan. I mean, there's there's a slew of issues right now, and right. as you mentioned, none of it is disinflationary or deflationary. It's all inflationary. Mm -hmm. If we're going to stop importing. Uh, manufacturing. Absolutely. I th it's going to be higher. I think we've, we saw a rise in protectionism before the pandemic. It was just a whisper. Mm -hmm. But now the call is getting louder, right? Especially when we see what's going on with China and Russia. Um, that leads to higher prices uh, overall. We when, understand labor markets. Labor, we understand that the labor force participation rate fell out of bed. And... 
we have roughly, I guess, almost three million workers that have disappeared, uh, whether it's through immigration or all of a sudden people decide to have babies. Um, this is going to be an ongoing problem. So that wage growth, which is especially sticky, is is going to be a bear. I mean, we are seeing companies looking to um, lay off. We are seeing a reduction in job openings. And it this always takes more time. But especially post-pandemic, it's going to take longer. As I always say, Danny, I think the Fed has to break something to get from where we are now inflation-wise to 2%. Or they need to perhaps change that target for whatever this next iteration or cycle looks like. Yeah, it's going to have to look a lot different than what it does today. Headline this morning, market may close positive for the month. Um, we've got to remember where we're coming off of as well. I mean, we had mm -hmm. markets were, were, were down quite a bit, 20 to 30%, depending on the, the index that you're looking at. And we've recouped a lot of those gains, which has been great. But we went from very oversold to very overbought very quickly. And now we're in this environment where we're, we're waiting. I think everybody's hinging on Jackson Hole and what comes out today. So I, I'm waiting to hear what, what Fed uh, Jerome Powell says today. This is going to be what's important, I think, as far as how we move forward. And then as we get into, you know, continue to collect more data over the next several months, that's going to be really important. If anything, Powell's going to have to conflict with whatever comes out of the White House. Because we're going to see higher energy prices, even though there's this Inflation Reduction Act. Although we do have some news for you coming up about one good thing that might come out of it. We found one. <laughs> That's all we found. And even the first, even the one we found was not that good. It's, it's okay. But just one. It's been a busy w couple of weeks for policymakers. Oh, yeah. They're, they're busy, all right. <clears throat> they're very busy. Um this, I got to remember I'm on the radio. I got to be careful. Uh, Danny tries to get it out of me and it stirs inside. And then I'm like, before I blurt this Man, out, I'm I usually trying to put it back in the can. What are you talking about? <laughs> Don't let me get old Janet yelling on you. Oh. I'm in Jackson Hole and my husband's hanging out with the housekeeper at the pool. What could go wrong, Danny? What could go wrong? Um, so we're going to see that I believe there is a more permanent headwind to energy prices. Part of it is because we're in our own way. and Well, the whole world is in its own way when it comes to that. Forget it. We well, saw uh, California said that by <laughs> 2035 they're going to ban yeah, um, combustible engines. You have GM saying by 2035 they're going to stop making I can them. sit on a California highway longer than that charge. <laughs> what happens then? Helicopter chargers? Drone chargers? What are we? What's the new business, Danny? Well, there's a great into? business model. If somebody could figure out how you could swap batteries quickly, I think that there's a fantastic business model for this. But it's its own little world. We should just put a fence around it. And let them do what they have to do over there. Also, food prices. Listen, global global change is real. Um, I don't think really cows have been responsible for it, but it's real. And um, food prices and drought's a real thing, Danny, something that needs to it be is. reckoned with. So food supplies are going to be uh, a challenge over the next few years. So these energy and food prices 
are going to look different. If we have a rougher than average winter, look what's going to hap- what's going to happen in Europe based on gas prices and their supply. It's going to be a problem. Oh, utilities are going to be through the roof. Right. Or they're not going to get supply. Yeah. Right? Uh, we won't supply it, which we could. Um, so uh, it's going to be a... Uh, going to be a challenge to see but we think i think i'm not speaking for danny some of this inflation as i've been saying for two years is not transitory and it's going to take a heck of a lot longer so i have no idea why everybody is so positive about jackson hole we get back the one little shining light little 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 shining light in the inflation reduction act even hard for me to say that here on Financial Fitness Friday when we get back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. Get started right now at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, or simply call our toll-free number, 855-RIA-PLAN, or again, simply online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Um, hope you all have a restful weekend planned. Weekends go by real fast. And now we're going to be talking about donut holes, which is going to make me want to go through Dunkin' Donuts. But this is not the donut hole you're thinking about. There's a donut hole in Medicare where a drug plan reaches its limit of what it will cover for drugs. So once you, once you and your Part D plan have spent a certain amount on drugs during the calendar year, then you reach a gap. And then, then once you get past that gap, you're back on, the, back on the plan, right? That donut hole can be pretty expensive, right? So um, the threshold increases every year. Right now it's about $7,050. The... Inflation Reduction Act is looking to cap all retirees' annual drug co-payments at $2,000. So you're essentially, Danny, taking away the donut hole. Because, again, that could be a pretty – once you're past that threshold, that's all coming out of pocket. That's a pretty big surprise for a lot of people. Yeah, it could could be pretty um, painful. So there's about 1.5 million retirees pay more than $2,000 for prescriptions. But a lot of them, again, we saw a spike in insulin uh, prices, right, uh, or different drugs that come out 
a lot of retirees, if they're old, if they're paying, they're paying five thousand, ten thousand dollars. But this is going to cap at two thousand. So that that's not. Um, I mean, that could be relief for those those uh, older Americans who are taking specialized drugs and really, it's really breaking them. Well, this also shows the importance, especially when you're on a specialized drug, to ensure that you're you're checking this each and every year. Mm-hmm. Go out and and compare what you're currently on and make sure they're going to continue to cover that drug. That's a big problem that we see. Right. A lot of money's left on the table, typically year to year, because people don't shop. It's easy. We think, you know what, I've got it. This has worked great. But unfortunately, sometimes these plans make changes um, during the middle of the year or throughout, you know, from one year to the next. So we need to make sure that you're keeping as much money in your pocket by shopping. And if you can try to get off certain drugs eat healthier and so forth. Some people can't, right? Do you have older Americans that are deciding between medications and food or other essential items, right? Or say, we know how much of of an older American's income comes from Social Security, Danny. So something that uh, where this donut, where I get stuck in the donut hole could be financially devastating if I don't really have any additional savings. But to Danny's point, your Part D prescription drug plan Based on studies, most older Americans are going to overpay, and they don't check or do their homework on these plans every year, right? We're going to be getting to uh, open enrollment season coming up before you know it. Starts in October. So you have to keep in mind that whatever drugs you're taking, to Danny's point, you have to shop your plan, and you have once a year to do it. I make sure that I tell all our older clients and people I meet with, when you Part D, put it on your calendar for open enrollment. Spend a couple hours on a Saturday or for whatever time you have and just get your drugs ready that you're, that you're taking and go through the process. You can save a lot of money by doing that. You know, we do a lot of different lunch and learns, and it seems that Medicare is typically one of the most highly attended events that we do. It does, and yeah. And the big part of it is that many people say, look, I just don't understand it. It's the alphabet soup. There's different times of, uh, that you can enroll in it. There's three different enrollment periods. Uh, you get a lot of misinformation. You have to be careful where you get it from as well. And I think that's probably a big part of it, Rich, is that you get it done and you think, whew, don't have to worry about this anymore. Because, look, it, it, there are some moving parts. This is, it can be overwhelming, and there's so much information. Because, look, we know once you turn about 64, you're every, every other day you're probably getting a mailer on this you're getting emails you're being targeted by ads it's almost that time of year to you for you to be slammed yeah it's just that paralysis by analysis and so the open enrollment period will come up october 15th go through december Mm -hmm. 7th um make sure that you are shopping and make sure i mean there's a lot of money left out there try to keep as much as you can and make sure that your drug is still covered if you're talking about part d yeah keep in mind if, if you're an older american and you're spending uh, $4,430 out of pocket. You're then required to pay 25% of the cost of the drugs until they reach, reach a threshold that pushes them into this what we call catastrophic phase of Medicare's drug coverage. This is all goes back to, Danny, there are some, obviously there are some Ill, Ill, illnesses we cannot avoid Correct. as we age. But this always goes back to the health and wealth connect we always talk about and Lance talks about on the radio to try. There are some really great books 
out there. There's one called Longevity Factor. It's worth a read. And um, Dr. Guidry talks about how your um, DNA, your genetics, account for maybe 2% of your life expectancy. The rest is all lifestyle. And we have to remember, we do have a somewhat sedentary lifestyle in the United States, right? Or we go for the fast foods. It takes a little bit more time. But if you put it into dollars that you might avoid in the future, uh, and just the quality of your retirement, it might have you think differently about what you're putting into your Uh, mouth. So So what do you do every time you eat a donut? You still do that? I deduct $100 from my retirement account in my mind. In other words, I'm reducing my amount of what I've saved because I'm going to pay for it in healthcare costs in retirement. Of course, it's just a mental accounting in my head, but it keeps me grounded as to, whoa, did I have a good week? Or did I have a bad week? Where am I on the health ledger? See, I, th- I thought you were physically moving money into an yeah, account. Yeah, then I could spend all day doing that. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, I very rarely have to move the 100 bucks. No, in my mind, if I do it, it what changes my... that? Well, because it changes my behavior. Remember, I want to change my behavior about what I think the future is going to be. Right? We thought you were physically no. moving yeah, money. Yeah, this has been going on for years. I'm a little disappointed uh, here. Yeah. Brent's on... on if you do, let me tell you something. Whatever you tell your brain, you're going to feel. So, in other words, what I might do, to your point. Wait a second. <laughs> no, really, it works for me. Whatever you tell your brain, you're going to feel. Yeah. If I'm, if with this mental accounting that I do. Uh huh. So, are you Janet Yellen or store, are you Richard Rosso? No, if I'm in a store, if I'm in a restaurant and I look at the menu, I got these dollar bills going off in my head. Well, well, because Amy that. takes me to these real expensive yeah. restaurants. I do so too. I, hey, babe, we're going to split this meal. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm looking at if I eat this, I'm going to spend more in healthcare and retirement. So I deduct it from my head. See, and then I, I don't thought, order it. I thought you were physically deducting it and you were putting that money in an, a separate pile to help you pay for the increased health. Well, then I will. Well, costs. if I, I could start, I could actually go back and start doing that. But frankly, I don't deviate from the diet very often. I don't really have this hundred dollar debits as much as I did in the past. No, you're, you're pretty good with that. I mean, yeah. but I mean, like, so we've talked about with the kids or like if I cut their hair or uh-huh. we, Michelle cleans the house. You don't have a maid service right. or, mm-hmm. you know, mow the lawn, things of that nature. I physically put money into an account and I thought that's what you were doing. So what I are you going to do with start. that money, Danny? <laughs> I'm probably going to have to use it from those donuts this morning. <laughs> the thing is, I already There's saved no so donuts. much. I mean, I, I'm I'm a happy miser anyway. I, I save mostly everything I have, and my mortgage is really nothing. So I, you know, I'm pretty much doing that anyway. I'm worried about what I'm going to lose if I live long enough and how I'm going to pay for the donut hole. Again, because we got to remember, who knows if this is really going to happen, this $2,000 cap. That's your next book title. The donut hole? No, the happy miser. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I think that book's been written. Man, did I tell movie? you I thought that my dryer was shrinking my shirts? What? Yeah, it turns out it was my refrigerator. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I said, did he buy one of those dryers yeah. again? Yeah. I've got a refrigerator like that, too. I got a good scratch and ding victory this week. Did you? From a person I talked to and said, oh, yeah, I want this, like, pink 
washer dryer because it goes with the house and all that. And I'm like, let's calculate the cost of that color versus going to Sam Scratch and Dent shop and figuring it out. And it was something like saving $1,500 by just getting plain old washer dryer. But, yeah. I mean, another yeah. 30 bucks for a gallon of white paint to match. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand this, like, luxury <laughs> appliance. Man, cake. I didn't know you could get a pink washer oh. dryer. Oh, you, oh, you have not seen. And some I don't of the want colors. To. Lime green. You oh, can go back to the 70s if you, you want. But you let me tell you what you're going to pay. He's got the lime green one. Yeah. Shag carpet. No way. Oh, I green. would get the shag carpet. I absolutely would spend for that. With your sunken living room? I would do that too. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> I'd have that conversation pit. And there's not going to be a lot of conversation going on in it. But... <laughs> Be dogs. Yes, I would have a sunken living room with shag carpet. <clears throat> but the point is, I saved money in a lot of other places. But it was nice to help someone else save money this, yep. this week and going, why do you need this pink? You know, it's just why is such a great question. Why do you need that? Well, because it matches this. And well, you know, the justification for spending like 500 bucks more for color just sort of starts to sound silly when you yourself start trying to defend the extra $500 or so that you're going to spend just on the color alone. Think about it. I'm going to have to go catch up with my health, my health account and start putting some bucks into it. Yeah, I'm disappointed. We're going to have to do a weekly check-in here, buddy. I think I only have to put like a thousand dollars in there, so I'll I'll take care of that today for you. Okay. Get me back on back on track. All right. Oh, we get back. We want to talk about the four things women fear most about retirement. And it isn't Danny's advice. When we return, Financial Fitness Friday. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a fiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. There's someone on uh, YouTube who's taking the drug holiday. I bet a lot of I bet a lot of people who are on Medicare do that. If they get into the donut hole, they'll say, you know what? And we see this a lot, actually, seriously. Skip skip dosage. Cut dosage, right? To well, that's afford. a sad state of affairs when you're skipping dosage for something that you physically need. Because I, I mean I, look, I, you, I'm not you can make problems good, worse. But I, I, I bet it's a realistic assessment 
depending upon those choices that you need to make. Um, it's unfortunate, but it does happen. <clears throat> so chose a Big Mac over the prescription? No, I think it's just either you say, hey, I'm supposed to take three pills a day and I'm going to take one and a half. I'm going to cut my dosage, even yeah. though I shouldn't, but I have, to let, I have to make these medications last longer. I would dare to say that's pretty... That's more prevalent than you realize. Yeah, no, I, I bet you're right. Overall. So <clears throat> retirement planning, planning overall, is creates anxiety. I, I think, Danny, when we do it, we take a lot of your anxiety away and turn it into a really great awareness exercise. But women especially um, feel the anxiety. And it, it makes sense. Because women live longer, and they are concerned that maybe they'll live at least the last their last decade of retirement alone. Their spouse has passed away. Their children are occupied with their own lives. So that thought of handling financial obstacles alone, especially around any long-term care, is a sense of angst, a uh, source of angst for them being a burden to their families, becoming isolated. Um, the, the overall vulnerability of aging alone is absolutely a concern for women. And listen, it's a concern for everybody, but I think just because women live longer, they face that for a longer period of time. Well, they do. We talk about this frequently within the financial plan when we we're looking and saying, okay, well, what happens if we have this long-term care event? You know, How are you going to, to subsidize it or pay for, for part of it? Um, and many times, if you can only afford to cover one person, it's historically the, the wife. Because, it, let's face it, unfortunately for, for you guys, y'all take care of us, and you historically live a little bit longer, and then somebody's going to have to take care of you. So I would personally want to make sure that we ensure, like if I had to choose between myself and my wife, and we both have longevity in our family, if I could only buy long-term care insurance for one of us, it would be for her. Yeah, I mean, U.S. Census data shows that about 50% of women age 65 or older are on their own due to divorce, death of a spouse, having never married. So you have to explore the issue. you got to talk to your spouse, write down your thoughts as a woman, just think about it, even if they're painful. It's a powerful to write out the concerns or discuss them with your, with your significant other or family members can very well help or at least visualize the fear. Because it may not be as justified as you think. And I think a lot of ways you take away that fear, Danny, is through planning. Because you can find out the risk mitigation, right? You, you, can, you can create in the plan, look at your life expectancy. We always have people take the livingto100.com quiz, uh, 40 questions by Dr. Peel, mostly lifestyle-based, that will give you some idea of how long you're going to live. I mean, obviously, it's not perfect, but it does give you a sense of which partner is going to live longer. Um, but if, it's, if this is a hidden fear and you're not communicating it, it makes it worse. But it man, I festers you, and it makes it worse. I think people would rather do a budget than do the living to 100 quiz. People are like, what? I don't want to know when I'm going to die. And, you know, I get it. But if we can, uh. if we can use more realistic numbers versus telling everybody they're going to live to 100 and you're going to eat ramen noodles for the last 20 years of your life. 
I think it's probably yeah, because you're better to every be more financial advisor says you're going to live to 100 because they want to put you in more product, frankly. That's going to reflect stocks and because that, that, you know, stocks are the best. That's it. That's all that's out there. And they're the best thing since sliced bread. So why not put together a realistic assessment? <clears throat> I have more people that are telling me they know and when they're going to die. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'll be dead by then. Okay, well, then take the living to 100 and let's take a look. Average life expectancy here is 78 years old. Well, probably in Texas with all the barbecue, it's probably 74. Well, but then you have the other side of the and spectrum the where you have right, somebody right. says, well, I'm not going to live. My parents didn't make it to past 65. I'm not going to make it past 70. No way. And think about all the the medical revolutions uh, the, 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 the incredible technology and how people live longer today. It's so much different. <clears throat> you know, uh, when uh, Brent went for his blood test, most of his blood is queso. <laughs> it came back. The, he's blood type Q. <laughs> no, it's Dr. Pepper. No, it's Dr. Dr. Pepper. That flows a lot. Dr. Easier. Pepper and Death Wish coffee. And queso Fridays, right? <laughs> You know, I'm not a big queso person. No, I thought y'all no, I thought y'all like chewies and well my wife does. Yeah. She eats enough for both of us. Well, in, but in I that mean, category, not to be unkind. <laughs> well, but that's also something I mean, if, if my wife likes something, that means I have to like something well, too. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. mean where do you want to go? You get the I don't understand you. How do you not like that? <laughs> I don't really get that. Can you explain that to me? Yeah. I like it. I really do yeah, like the, it. The default date night destination is something that begins with yeah. Tex-Mex. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah. And if she keeps eating that pick. way, you'll outlive her. <laughs> and there you well, go. there you go. <laughs> um, also, women in retirement. Social Security, absolutely confusing, right? Yeah. Even women I've talked to said they believe they need to take Social Security at age 62, not really, really realizing how much they're going to give up in future benefits rather than waiting until full retirement age or later. Social Security spousal and survivor benefits, even more of a black hole that women understand. And a lot of people are told to take Social Security early by their financial advisors. But yet, well, people I talk to, women I talk to, they couldn't tell me why they thought it was a good option. So it's a very important topic for women to understand and couples to discuss together because they are both affected by the, the claiming decision, especially of the higher wage earner. Thoughts? Well, that is the biggest problem that we see. We see somebody comes in and say, you know what? We went ahead and took it. And the wife looks over and says, what? You did what? <laughs> you took it early, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, there are studies that show that what, not a man will make that decision. And their life expectancy went way down. Right. It did. Well, in fact, actually, after, they there was, after that conversation, but there was a study that showed that if you took you took Social Security early and didn't have to, wasn't life expectancy actually didn't it diminish over time? Well, because a lot of how many times do we say this, Danny? We're not going to fault anybody for taking Social Security because they need to keep food on the table yeah. or they are ill. But you do have a lot of people that are taking Social Security at 62 because you know what? They can't work anymore. Like they have no choice and they don't have enough savings. And that's a terrible choice. It's another terrible choice that some people have to make. They might even understand they should wait. But it's either that or paying the rent. So, and they really don't have the capacity to do a job anymore. But Correct. yes, but there are studies that show that 
especially men who take Social Security at 62, die sooner. And that has to do with all the qualitative elements of retirement too, Danny, doesn't mm -hmm. it? It does. Men aren't just, they're just not, generally speaking, I hate to social just have drop a blanket on y'all, but just not as social and not cognizant of that compared to women. Men get sort of stuck in this rut in retirement, like, like I would, like watching Colombo reruns for like hours with uh, potato chips. Uh, so you have to keep in mind, <laughs> women are more cognizant. You know, I haven't been out of the house. I need to see my friends. I need to be more social. It's healthy for my brain. Men are like, ah, I don't want to go at people. Ah. Too many people at the grocery store. Especially if they sound like Janet Yellen. <laughs> you need to get out of the house. Oh, he's out already. <laughs> Where'd my husband go? He's been out of the house a lot with that housekeeper of ours. Where are they going? Oh, man. Next, I'm afraid to outlive my savings and investments, right? Longevity risk. Especially if they have parents that are older parents, they're taking care of them, they see they're still around, that that perspective of handling that mindset, you got to understand is the outliving of retirement assets could be valid. Um, combination of things, Danny, that can lead to that, right? Yes. It's not saving enough, um, too conservative with investments at times, um, not paying attention, not doing a financial plan. I know we always come back to this financial plan, but maybe you have saved enough based on your expectations. You might be pleasantly surprised. You know, one thing I see, and, and you may be, you may see this as well, but I feel like women are, I mean, number one, as an investor, women typically do a pretty good job. Um, as far as risk management, they understand emotional. risk better. Yes, In believe it aspect. or not, less emotional about. Yes, I absolutely. They're able to, to to put that to the side and understand a little bit, you know, more. But also, much more nimble when it comes to saying, you know, what we need to make budget cuts. We need to stop spending here. Mm -hmm. Historically, I think they do a really, really good job with that. I think men generally have their ego too wrapped up in things or decisions they've made and then they have to unwind from them mm -hmm. because they're bad decisions. Hey, there have been a lot of studies. One of my uh, professors, uh, Terry Odine, talks about how women are just better traders than men. We get back, we're going to continue on this discussion on here, Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a para group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survived as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. Hi, Lance. The Real Investment Show.
Sean S. on our uh, YouTube channel said that uh, he saw a lady on the news once celebrating her 100th birthday. Her secret to life was a Dr. Pepper a day. This said women, woman did not have any teeth. <laughs> All rotted away. That's not Dr. true. Okay. You don't know that. I don't know that. I'm just. Uh, he may have seen the no, I didn't news see clip. It. I didn't see it. No. You never uh, know. It yeah. might be a magical elixir that we don't even, we're not even aware That's of. That's true. Medicinal properties of Dr. Pepper. Well, I think then they used to promote Coca-Cola's medicinal property. Yeah, it had some properties It had some in cocaine in it, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think we need to go back to that. <laughs> in glass bottles. People would be very happy compared to what they are now. I don't know. Add the Coke to back to, cocaine, uh, yeah. to Coca-Cola and shut down social media. The world will be... A better place. I'd like to teach the world to sing oh, no. in perfect harmony. That's when Coke had, even though in the 70s it didn't. Yeah. But yeah. I think they were on something else. Um, so listen, as a woman, and you're going to think you have longevity risk, don't rule out annuities. You, you can create a private pension to supplement Social Security. Right? You yeah, defer it, you collect this income for the rest of your life. I've noticed women are also more amenable to guaranteed income options, Danny, compared to men, because they know they're probably going to be left behind. They want income for life. But these annuities, if first of all, you don't even know if you need an annuity. You don't even know if you need to create your own pension. You might be fine. You won't know until you do a financial plan. You don't want to be sold annuities. You want it to be planned to create a guaranteed income stream if it is required. But how do you know if it's required or not? I mean, well, the plan, right? Man, yeah. Well, by a financial plan, if you're if you have longevity risk and your assets are going to outlive, you're going to outlive your assets. Well, then I need something to make sure that doesn't happen. I can't outlive my social security. If I add a guaranteed income uh, supplement, I know I'm going to get that check for life. So it's just a thought. So women are much more open to options that are going to pay them for as long as they live also they're they're i think it's better danny but also they're not confident sometimes about their investment decision i'm talking about educated women they they lack the confidence to embrace the investment process they keep a lot of money generally speaking in cash um they rather stick it out in cash Uh, And they don't want to make stupid decisions. I do think when we meet with couples, um, well, first of all, we are meeting more with couples, especially younger generations. Both parties are engaged. And I think that's real positive, don't you? Yeah, I think it's really positive when you get both couples engaged because that is typically one of the hardest things. I mean, we have a lot of people that are very smart. They've been, I mean, in fact, people that have been in the industry for a long time that maybe retired and said, you know what? I understand that I can't, continue to do this because if something happens to me my spouse is going to be completely blindsided by what to do so i need somebody to help get engaged Mm -hmm. bring all this together Mm -hmm. and that way if something does happen there's somebody that they can call and walk through this process and and help and i think that that's i think men are becoming a better or doing a better job about this about bringing their spouse in and, and then also Women are, are wanting to become more engaged. I know my wife, you know, she's always in, you know, we do this for a living. 
but she makes sure that you know we try to have regular meetings but she wants to make sure that we're going above and beyond which i'm great with yes because that's, that's what i you know that's what i hope she knows if something happens that she can take care of herself she can take care of the family um, and she knows where things are. And that's, I think, is really important. Also, going back to the plan, mm-hmm. that's a really nice aspect of it because you're taking an inventory of assets as well all along the way. Absolutely. Uh, there are an overwhelming number of women have never met their spouse's financial advisors. doesn't make any sense. It's gotten better. But generally, four out of ten women said that they were being talked down to or not listened to or being sold something by prospective financial advisors and gave up. That needs to change, and it is changing, and more women are engaged in the process. And to Danny's point earlier, they generally, based on studies, tend to be better investors. It's, it's amazing how men are more emotional over the money. Women are definitely more emotional over the risk So if you can blend that, if you're a couple that both value savings and managing debt, you can form a synergy, right? You can put together, I have have a few clients that if it weren't for their spouses, they would be having much more aggressive portfolios, even when I show them that you're not giving up any return if you moderate this. You're just giving up some of the volatility and risk. There's no reason to be as aggressive as you want or as you feel you need to be. Uh, So that moderation, working together, I think really helps. Or maybe if you hopefully listen to your spouse, there's some perspective that's going to be brought to the table that you might not have thought of. Um, If you're not into risk mitigation and insurance, you got to have one spouse, at least that is. Oh, what do I need that for? You got to ha- make sure that you're taking hold of this for your family. And again, I see more and more women being very engaged. And it starts at a young age, Denny. I'm sure you, I know you teach your girl. I taught mine. Oh, She's yeah. very independent with money. She does her budget. She understands Roths. She saves in her 401k, Roth 401k. She does all the things that uh, she always has questions, but they're good questions. How do I maximize my yield on my cash? You know, these are the questions she's coming up with. Just because we learn, we taught her, she can make these decisions. So it starts at home, doesn't it? It does. I think these need to be regular conversations. We've talked about it. Kids do a much better job when when couples, when your your partner, you discuss this in front of them and actually have conversations about money. you're on the same money. page, right? And they understand it, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's... You have to bring it to light. And so many times it's it's hidden. We don't want to talk about it. Um, I think we need to overcome our, our problems, debt, have these conversations with kids so they don't make the same problems that, that maybe you have, um, and embrace it. You know, these things can be a great teaching moment for children. Mm-hmm. And you have them understand exactly, you know, why you're doing certain things, why you shop a certain way, why you eat the way you do. Um, all of these things, I think they, they're all tied together. Mm-hmm. Your children are observing your relationship with money, even if you don't think so. Well, and and many times, I mean, we've had this conversation, Rich. They don't understand it because all they see is you push a button online, something shows up at the front door. (laughs) They don't ever, or even you go to the grocery store, you hand a card. They don't ever see the exchange of actual money. And that's really all they know. Right, because you can see, hey, it's all electronic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They don't understand the repercussions. 
It's Correct. just it's magical stuff at your door all the time. Or but like, you, but you've broken down the mechanics of that to help you understand that flow. Yeah. Right. They, oh, uh, that absolutely. They understand but that this is something you have to pay for. This is not some magical unicorn Correct. that provides stuff. But it's some at a young age. I think that it's you have to reiterate these things multiple times because it's so easy for them to forget. But like. You know, because that's all, that's all they're seeing day in and day out. Yes. Is you using the card or something showing up at the door. And they just, it's tough for them to get the actual concept of money. Um, you know, I think I told you I had to talk to James, my one of my children, about how we, he spends money in the sense of, you know, like he gets dollar bills and he's, he's really good. And I told you, like, during Christmas time, I'll take him to Walmart to buy stuff for his brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And everybody must think we're, that we're broke because he'll say, all right, I've got 20 bucks to spend. And he's constantly looking at which toy he can get. Okay, if I get this, he's doing the math. And we'll be there for an hour or two. But here recently he's gotten where, um, like, he gave some friends at school, like, a dollar bill. And I'm like, hold on, man. What, why'd you do that? Oh, well, you know, I thought they could use some money. And I'm like, huh. Yeah, All right. Well, let's talk about how we do that. If, if you're you know, going to help somebody. That's how Tony somebody. Soprano started. You got to be real careful. Ooh. The rat lips. Yeah, that ain't happening. Yeah. We got a John Dutton in the making right yeah. here. There's the a young rat Another book idea. Is it? The no. rat lips. The rat lips. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. I said, hey, man, you know how hard you got to work for that money? So evidently, we're not. You're not doing enough chores. We're gonna have to up, <laughs> up the ante here a little bit. You clearly don't understand the value of that dollar. The only way you gave up money when I was a kid is somebody cornered you, cornered you in the hallway in school and said, "Give me your money, or I'm gonna beat the hell out of you." So you gave me your lunch money. Yeah, he still beat you up anyway. Didn't work. It's not gonna happen with the Retliff. Have you considered inflation? Fifty cents is not enough. Inflation right now is uh, pretty high, right? Make it a dollar and a quarter next time. Otherwise, no tater tots for you. Right? No tater tots. Are you going to eat all your tots? (laughs) See, he's too nice for that. I'm not ever concerned about that. You didn't go to my high school. (laughs) So are you, you picking people out of their lunch money? No, I was the one giving it over. <laughs> he was the picky. The yes, picky. I was the picky. Until I hit somebody in the head with a book. Oh, yeah, then game over. And then I dropped the book. And my name was in the book. <laughs> and the and the principal said that I was suspended. But the guy who got hit with the book, even though he's been extorting me, he's fine. He'll, he's, but you it's got your problem. Never write your name in books is the lesson I learned. Because oh, you got hit with your book. Yeah. You were the problem. I was the problem. Interesting. Hey, wacky public schools. Deductive reasoning there. What can I tell you? All right. Well, I uh, hope you all have a good weekend. Lance on Monday. We'll see you again next Friday. Thanks for sticking with us here on Financial Fitness Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody.
into his bad world.